Let me ask you a question. Don't you hate waiting? <laughs> Isn't it so awkward just to sit in silence for like a minute? I mean, when's the last time you drove your car without listening to music or uh, sat in the living room without the TV on or the radio on or uh, went for a jog or exercise without listening to something in your earbuds? It's hard to wait. It's hard to sit in silence, that awkward silence. I know you all, I could just feel it. Like you're all thinking, what the heck is going on? Does he not know it's Christmas weekend and we've got places to be and we've got things to do and we're all so busy right now that we can't afford to sit. And the longer you take, Steve, at the beginning of your message, the longer it's gonna be at the end. And so you all knew that. And I'm sitting up here looking at you and you're anticipating and waiting and glaring <laughs> waiting for me to do something. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm glad you're here. If you have your Bibles, open them to Luke chapter two. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one of these on the floor around you. It's page 715 in that Bible. And if you don't own a Bible, please take this one home with you. It's our gift to you. We'd love you to have uh, the word of God in your hand. Kids, if kids in the room, any kids in the room? Give me a chair if your kids in the room. Okay, good. Uh, kids, there's a, there's a Bible on the floor called the Kids Adventure Bible. Some of those seats, if you wanna open that one, it's page 1124, 1124, Luke chapter two. We, uh, we live in a world of not yet. I think one of the reasons we hate to wait is because we want now, but we live in a world of not yet. We're promised that through Jesus, uh, God would bring peace to the world, but not yet. We desperately want this to be a, pe a place of where everyone has their place, where uh, there's love and acceptance, but not yet. We're not there yet. We, we long for now, but we live in a not yet world, don't we? We're still waiting and, and waiting is hard. I'm gonna show you just a few pictures to show you what I mean. And if you hate to wait, I just wanna warn you up front, uh, these pictures may cause you some anxiety. So if you have a hard time with them, I'm sorry, you can look away if you want. But if you hate to wait, what does this picture do to you right here? <laughs> the dreaded Chick-fil-A drive-through. I love Chick-fil-A. I love eating Chick-fil-A. I love the people at Chick-fil-A. You know what I hate? I hate going to Chick-fil-A <laughs> because you always have to wait and the drive-through wraps around two times, and heaven forbid you get that moment where you pay at the first window, you get to the second window, and they don't have your food ready. For some reason, like you ordered something that wasn't on the menu or that they forgot how to make, or, and they say, could you please pull forward and we'll bring your food out to you? You know those moments? You hate those times? I have a good friend, and he will not pull forward at the drive-thru. I was with him one time, and, and the lady at the drive-thru said, sir, it's gonna be a minute on your food. Would you please pull forward? And he said, no, I'm good right here. And she just said, but sir, it's gonna take your food a few minutes. And he said, well, you better hurry then because the people behind me are gonna get really upset. <laughs> he just won't do it. He thinks he's gonna get his food faster. So hates to wait. Or if you hate to wait, how about this one? What does this sign do to you? <laughs> oh gosh, right, the BMV, right? There's no place like waiting like the BMV. BMV or Disney World, right? There's no place like waiting. I, I saw an article this week that lines at the California BMV have gotten so bad, they started taking appointments that you can make online and small businesses have popped up that are scheduling appointments at the BMV and then selling them to people for $25 a pop. And so the article was about how California is thinking about passing a law to outlaw these businesses that are doing this. But when the article came out a couple weeks ago, it was like the end of November, beginning of December, there were zero appointments left 
through the end of 2019. You had to go into 2020 to get to the BMV. If you've driven around 465 uh, this summer or fall on the weekend, you've probably seen a wait that looks like this. That has been an adventure to try to get. My mom lives on the south side. My dad lives on the west side. Uh, if you're trying to get anywhere, they've got those down to one lane on the weekends and you end up waiting in traffic. That looks familiar to some of you. Or uh, finally, I'm gonna show you one that will remind all of us how much we hate to wait. <laughs> right? Those dreaded three dots. When you send that text and you're waiting for the text back and you get the three dots and you're like, what are they gonna say? How are they gonna answer? What's gonna happen? And you know what the worst is? What's the worst? When they go away, right? <laughs> like, what, what were you going to say? What happened? Did, did somebody kidnap you? What happened? Why did you not text me back? The three dots. Waiting is hard, right? Waiting is hard and waiting. There's waiting like that that's annoying to us. But then there's more serious waiting, isn't there? There's waiting that can cause anxiety and pain and doubt. Uh, the, the waiting of a single person waiting to see if God's going to provide just the right person to be with for the rest of their life. The, the, the couple who desperately wants the gift of a child but hasn't received that yet. And I know for those of you in the room who are waiting for that, this can be a particularly hard time of year for you. Uh, the waiting of someone who wants to find meaningful work that can pay the bills and give them a purpose in their life. And yet it's not yet. Um, they're still waiting for that. The waiting that comes with illness or disease, just longing to be healed and to see it go away. Kids waiting for the fighting in their house to end, that mommy and daddy will get along. Okay, their parents will make up for some peace in the house. And then there's the waiting of those of us who are deeply depressed, uh, just waiting for that day when you wake up and you feel like there's some light coming into your life finally. So while some waiting is hard, other waiting is painful, isn't it? You know, when you go to an amusement park like a Holiday World or Indiana Beach or Disney World or someplace like that, and they have these signs that tell you uh, how long that it, your wait is going to be. Wouldn't that be great if everything in life had a sign like that? I don't know if this is meant to encourage you or to just lower your expectations. I'm not sure. When you get up there in 65 minutes, like, woo, we beat the system, right? Um, but wouldn't it be cool? Like if every event in your life had a wait time sign, like from this point on, it'll be 18 months until you find a husband. From this point on, it'll be eight months before you get pregnant. Uh, from this point, it will be three years before you find your dream, dream job. From, from this point, it'll be five years before your kids grow up, or it'll be 10 years before your husband grows up, you know, whatever you're waiting for. <laughs> or better yet, what if you had a sign like this in your life? The fast pass, right? What if we could all jump right to the front of the line for those most important things in our life? I tell you, that would be awesome because waiting is hard and waiting is painful. In fact, as the great theologian Tom Petty once said, the waiting is the hardest part, right? <laughs> waiting. But it's not just hard and it's not just painful. The truth is that waiting can be dangerous. When we are forced to wait, there is danger that we get tired and that we stop trusting God, and that we start doubting that he actually has a plan for our life, and we stop believing that he wants to show up in our lives, and there's danger that we take matters into our own hands and try to force something to happen that was never meant to happen in the first place. 
Well, today we're, finishing, or we're continuing in our series called Waiting for Christmas. And we've been thinking back to the time of that first Christmas story. And if we think back before that, back to the Old Testament in your Bible, uh, before the birth of Jesus, we realized there were years, there were hundreds of years uh, that people had to wait. They were waiting on God to show up. They were waiting for him to move. And uh, if, if you go through your Bible and you get to the end of the Old Testament, to the book of Malachi, you might notice that there's a, a blank page in there in a lot of cases, and that blank page represents a wait, that there were 400 years or 430 years, really, that God made the people of Israel wait uh, for this event to happen. And then this happened, and this is what we find in Luke chapter two, starting in verse one. It says, in those days... Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And the waiting was over. You know, the song that we just sang, uh, O Holy Night, talks about that time where the people were waiting for Christmas. It says, long lay the world in sin and error pining. Uh, that's a phrase that we wouldn't use anyplace outside of that song probably, but the word pining means, literally means crying, that they were mourning and they were waiting. They were waiting for a time. The world was a bleak place. They were waiting until he appeared and the soul felt its worth, right? And while the people in general, the people of God were waiting for this savior, we're gonna look at a story today of two people, specifically from the New Testament, who had to wait longer than most. Uh, their names are Anna and Simeon, and we be meet them both in Luke chapter two. And so I'm gonna read their stories to you and then tell you what it means. Luke 2:25, we'll meet Simeon. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's an interesting phrase. We'll come back to that in a moment. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. There's a lot to that. We're gonna come back to that in just a second, okay? But let's jump to verse 36 for a minute. There was also a prophet, Anna, daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. So both of these people were waiting for something. 
What were they waiting for? Well, it says that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? Well, it actually points back to the Old Testament. It points back to a promise that God had made to his people through a man named Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet, and in the Old Testament book of Isaiah 40, we see this. God says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. The idea here was that God was promising through this son to set everything right in this world, that there would be no more injustice, there would be no more pain, there would be no more lying, no more broken relationships. And Simeon and Anna have been waiting for that day. They've been waiting for what they would call the kingdom of God to come to earth to rescue them, waiting for what's up there to come down here. And we're told by the author, Luke, uh, who got his information, by the way, from interviewing eyewitnesses to this event. So somebody that Luke talked to had seen this event happen. Uh, Luke tells us that Mary and Joseph brought their baby into the temple to be dedicated. That's what would happen in those days. After the set period of time when your baby was born, you'd bring him into the temple to be dedicated. And this is what happened, Luke 2, 28. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, remember he was promised that he would see the birth of the Messiah. As you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon basically says, I have seen the one you've promised. You told me I would see him before I die. And now that I've seen him, I can go. I can die in peace. In fact, the literal, actual literal translation of what Simeon says is now you do send away your servant, Lord, according to your word in peace. I think it's really interesting that the very first thing Simeon says is the word now. You know, they've been living in this world of not yet. And they've been living in it for so long. They knew that the savior was coming, but not yet. The Messiah is on his way, but not yet. And Simeon says, now I have seen him and you can send me away. Why? What happened? No, nothing changed. I mean, from one day to the next, uh, Rome is still in charge. Injustice is still rampant in the world. Uh, what happened yesterday is still happening today. Uh, orphans are still fatherless. Uh, greed and jealousy still rule the day. Why is it okay for Simeon to die now? The only thing that's different is this baby. It's this child, this presence, that the presence of Jesus is enough to turn his not yet into now because Jesus is present in painful circumstances. Now think about that for a minute. How did Anna and Simeon know what to look for? How did they even know someone was coming? Well, the Bible tells us that they spent a lot of time in the temple. They were constantly in the presence of God. And I just want to pause right here and say, I know it's Christmas time, and I know you guys are going to hear the Christmas story, and you're coming to church and things like that. But as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to spend time in the presence of God. It's that time of year when we start thinking about the future, right? Now, Christmas is going to come and go, and then we'll be looking at New Year's, and we'll be thinking about New Year's resolutions. And maybe you're going to make a New Year's resolution that affects your physical health, or maybe you've got one around your financial health. But I just want to encourage you, if you're a Christian, why don't you make a resolution around your spiritual health? 
Why don't you make a decision to spend time in the Word every day, to read your Bible every day, and to be praying every day, to spend time in the presence of God. The Lord spoke to Anna and Simeon while they were in the temple, while they were in his presence. And how could your life look different if Jesus was always present in it? I just want you to think about this. His impact on the world is greater than any other person who ever lived. I mean, second place is not even close. We divide all of time in half because of Jesus. Everything before him is BC, everything after him is AD. Now think about Christmas when we celebrate his birth. By far, more people on earth celebrate the birth of Jesus than any other person. I mean, who's second? It's not close, right? It's no competition. Now think about the cross, that horrible instrument of torture that was used to kill Jesus. That has become a a sign that's everywhere in our world and in our culture. If you're traveling over Christmas, I just wanna invite you as you go down the highway to look at how many towns and villages and cities have a giant cross either up on a hill or on the top of a church that welcomes you into their town. I mean, how many are those are you gonna see as you travel? Or who, who doesn't know somebody who has a cross tattooed on their body or a cross necklace that they wear every day or a cross plastered to the back of their car? And by the way, Dave Ramsey always says, if you're gonna put a cross on that sucker, you better drive it right. <laughs> now think about what it would have been like to live at the time that Jesus was born. Okay, if you were a gambling man or woman, and you had to put money on whose influence would last outside the first century, Jesus or the Roman Empire, you'd have been a fool to put money on Jesus, right? He was a traveling preacher. He, he had no home. He had no office. He had no army. He, he had no social media presence, right? Just a ragtag band of fishermen and tax collectors. And yet today, we name our kids Peter and Mary and John, and we name our dog Caesar, presence of Jesus makes all the difference. And I don't know why you're here today. I mean, Mary, or maybe your parents made you come, or maybe your kids made you come. Uh, maybe she won't date you unless you go to church every once in a while. <laughs> maybe your husband or wife makes you show up at church twice a year at least. Or, or maybe you're here because you feel like you've been hearing a lot of not yet. Like, when will this fighting all end? Not yet. When will the racism stop? Not yet. When will hunger and poverty be solved? Or, or maybe it's more personal, like when will my longing be fulfilled? When will this pain go away? When will I finally see things my way? You know, O Holy Night, the song we sang says, all in his name, all oppression shall cease. When? When will this happen? Not yet. In a way, we're all still waiting for Christmas. But just like the coming of Jesus changed not yet to now, Jesus can come into your life. He can come into our lives and he can change our not yet to now. When Jesus comes into your life, he comes into your mess. He steps into your circumstances. He steps into your relationships or your marriage. He steps into the struggles of your finances. He, he steps into somehow your not yet becomes now too. And not, oh good, now everything's gonna be solved. But now I can have assurance that God is with me. God is here. Now I'm not alone. Now I have hope. Now I can face the struggles and the temptations and the difficulties and the waiting in my life because now I know that God is with me and now I know I don't have to do life alone. You know, I think about that. I, th I think about my friend, Bud. Many of you know Bud and Linda Wall. And 
a few years ago. When I got to know Bud, he, uh, you may remember this, he always dragged an oxygen tank behind him. He had a really bad lung disease and he had to have oxygen all the time. And uh, a, few years, a few years after I got to know him, he got put on a waiting list for a lung transplant. And uh, I'd see Bud every week and he'd always have his oxygen tank with him and talk to him. He's just the happiest guy you'd ever want to know. And uh, then he gets on this transplant list. And so like once a month, I'd ask him, I'd say, Bud, what's, what's the latest on the transplant? And he'd say, well, I'm still, you know, 10th person down or I'm, I'm the 8th person down or I'm the 3rd person down. But he would always say this. He'd always say, but you know what? It's in the Lord's hands. I'm not going to worry about it. There's nothing I can do about it. The Lord's got it. I mean, Bud was the epitome of somebody who was living in a not yet world, right? He might not survive if he didn't get this lung transplant, but he didn't fret. He didn't worry. He wasn't anxious about it because he knew that God was with him, that God heard him and saw him. So if you're here today and you feel stuck in the not yet, if you're weary from waiting, if you're searching for a way to experience now, I think you're here because God has arranged for you to be here. You know, Jesus himself said in John 6, no one can come to the Father, or no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. I don't think it's a coincidence that you're here. I think God has drawn you here today. And why did he draw you here? Well, maybe because he wants you to know that now you have hope. Now, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your broken dreams, in the, in the middle of the loneliness. We all want hope that at the end of the day, it's all going to be all right. In the middle of your not yet, Jesus shows up and says, now, now you can have that assurance. Now you can have that hope. The waiting is over. It's not too late for you. It's not too late. One of my favorite Christmas stories is um, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. And uh, you know the story, Ebenezer Scrooge is a man who runs his own business and he, he's got no time for Christmas. He doesn't really feel, uh, you know, that's where bah humbug comes from, right? And uh, he, on Christmas Eve, he's visited in the night by, by three spirits and they show him uh, the reality of his past and his present and his future. And um, when the, he goes with the ghost of Christmas future, he sees a, a future that he doesn't really want to experience, right? He, he, he sees tiny Tim, uh, the sad fate of Tiny Tim, and then he sees his own gravestone. And uh, he realizes he's messed up. He realizes he's not lived the life he should be living. While he should have spent time making friends, he's been spending time making money. He could have made a difference. And so in fear and agony, he calls out to the spirit. And this is what Dickens writes for Scrooge. He says this, answer me one question. Are these the shadows of the things that will be are, are they the shadows of the things that may be only? Men's courses will foreshadow certain ends to which if persevered in, they must lead. But if the courses be departed from, the ends will change. Say it is thus with what you show me. In other words, he says, is my life determined to end like this? Like, is this the way that it has to be? Or is there still time to change? Can I still make a difference? And if you don't, come to church on a regular basis, or maybe you don't feel close to God, it may be because you think that it's too late for you to change, that you're too far gone, that you've messed up too much, that, that God's angry with you. I, I just want to assure you, God is not angry with you. He's full of grace. Second Peter 3 says this, says, God isn't late with his promise as some measure lateness. He is restraining himself on account of you. 
He's holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. And so if you're here today and you feel stuck in the not yet, I wanna assure you that there's still time to change. This, this future that you think you've seen, that you maybe have convinced yourself this real, this future where you have no hope and no future, that's not a picture of what will be, but what may be only. And if you depart from your course, the ending can still change. There's still time for you to allow the presence of Jesus to come into your life and change your not yet to now. Jesus comes this Christmas and he offers forgiveness now. He comes to offer freedom from guilt and shame now. Jesus comes this Christmas and says, I will give you a purpose for your life now. Jesus comes to give us a mission now. He comes this Christmas and points you towards eternal life. And he says, your eternal life starts now. Because on this silent night, 2000 years ago, God signaled to us that the wait is over. There is hope now because Christmas is here. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we um, are thankful for that truth. We're thankful for your son, that, that you didn't send an army to save us, that you didn't send uh, a rescue team to save us, but you sent your son, your one and only son, to come and be born as a baby and to live a perfect life as a model for us and to die a horrible death on a cross, the death that we deserved. God, we're thankful for that. I think about how bleak winter would be without the celebration of Christmas, and I'm so thankful that we have uh, this Savior to celebrate today. And I know that there are uh, people in this room that maybe have never made that decision to make Jesus the Lord of their life. They have not invited you into their life uh, to turn their not yet into now. And I just want to tell you, if you're in that category in this room today, uh, maybe today's the day. Uh, it is Christmas. You're here to celebrate the birth of Jesus. What if you were to make today a day that you will always remember and let Jesus come into your life to turn your not yet into now? You, you can do that right now. You just have to repeat this prayer after me. You just say, Lord, I need you in my life. Jesus, I invite you in. I, I, I submit my will to your will. I submit my ways to your ways. I ask you to come into my life and be my savior and my Lord. And Jesus, I'll follow you the rest of your life. If you pray that prayer, welcome to the kingdom of God. We're so glad that you're a part of it. God, we celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus. We thank you that we've been able to come together and worship you on this silent night. In Jesus' name, amen.